All right, hi there everyone. So today we've got Ewan Dale with us, uh, one of our former Loughborough teammates, a Scottish swimmer, been on the GB team for many, many years, and who's also Commonwealth and European silver medalist, so loads of experience in the bag. Um, he went to Beijing Olympics and he's now Director of Swimming at Millfield. So loads that he can talk to us about today. So welcome, Ewan, how are you? I'm very well, very well. Thanks for having me, guys. Uh, looking forward to having a chat. Oh, good, yeah, good. Thanks for coming. I like your background. Very nice. <laughs> well, you know, you got to get a Millfield logo in there now and again, eh? <laughs> <laughs> Always promoting. I like that. <laughs> so how are you doing um, during this tough time at the moment for everyone, this lockdown period? Yeah, I'm, I'm actually, I'm coping pretty well with it, to be honest. Uh, when it first came about, uh, it, it hit me pretty hard. You know, I had some kids that were starting to, to do some good things and we were starting to look forward to Olympic trials and all that kind of stuff. And just the, the enormity of it just took me for six a little bit. But after a couple of weeks of reflecting and thinking about it, settled down into the situation pretty well. And uh, personally, just had, uh, just had a baby boy born three weeks ago, so it's been good to be at home a little bit more. And uh, the programme at Millfield seems to be ticking along quite nicely, but uh, inevitably we're, we're quite excited about, about getting back in the water sometime soon, hopefully. Yeah, definitely. I mean, congratulations on your second little boy. Um, yeah, fantastic news. And I mean, we, we've said, you know, we've known you for a few years, and if anyone in Britain is going to be chilled about this situation, it'll be you. So <laughs> I think, yeah. Well, that's the thing, you know, it's... You, you learn to play with the hand that you're dealt with, don't you, you know? And uh, that's, that's a really strong skill to have. And it's, trying, it's something that I try and instill in all the swimmers, you know. No matter what happens, stuff's going to happen. You know, no matter what the situation is, stuff unexpected is going to happen. And, and it, it's the way that you deal with that that really uh, defines your character and defines how you, how you manage a situation. So, yeah, as I say, first week that it happened, I was a little bit gobsmacked by it just by the enormity of it but from that point on it's just been you know take each day by it comes enjoy each day and and and, and try and reflect and come back stronger when uh when when normal kind of resumes whatever that new normal looks like <laughs> yeah before we start getting to like your current situation and coaching too much dale do you mind um sort of taking us back and uh, sharing with us like memories and your journey, your athletic career, like cause obviously you had your own, your own accomplishments and highlight, like you know, being my roommate and how stuff like that. That was obviously <laughs> right up there at Loughborough. <laughs> that was a highlight. You know, that was a highlight. To be fair, one of the best years. One of the best exactly. years. Uh, but no, what, what was my journey? Uh, so I, I grew up in a real rural town in Scotland, and uh, at the age of eleven. I actually moved to Millfield to, to swim. But prior to that, in the, in the rural town of Duns on the Scottish borders, there was a really small swimming club. And uh, it just so happened that there was a group of four or five of us that really got into the sport of swimming. You know, we got really competitive with each other uh, and we, we, we trained pretty regularly. The pool was going to be shut down, but a group of parents came together, created a trust, and uh, it was kind of open for us to use kind of as and when so we were in there all day every day pretty much and you know there was there were sessions going on but it was more it was more of a lifestyle 
you know, and, and, and we really bought into it. And, you know, some great, great people came out of that. You know, people like Dan Wallace, uh, Ben Hickson, who's now the head coach of Ireland. And the club was only about 20, 30 members, you know, so it was a really, really nice little nucleus. And that, that's kind of where my passion started. And, you know, there was a coach that would be on poolside and she wasn't paid, but she'd be there every day. And, you know, she just loved the sport of swimming and was a great technician. And, and that's kind of where my, my journey started. Went to Millfield and, you know, I was kind of surrounded by excellent swimmers, you know, people that were going for the Sydney Olympics in 2000 and all that kind of stuff. And that, that was just like... Uh, that was just the most inspiring thing in the world because it, it made that Olympic dream achievable, you know, because you could see the pathway in front of you. And uh, from kind of the age of being quite a strong 11, 12-year-old in the swimming pool, I really struggled from kind of 12 to 16. Uh, I was a late developer. You know, I dropped down the rankings to the point where I was barely even making the, the national championships, but then just had had a remarkable year kind of when I was 17 years old and grew into myself, grew in confidence, grew in ability and, uh, and then joined you guys in Loughborough when I was 18 and, and, and just went from, from strength to strength there really. Uh, but in terms of my journey, obviously highlights include Commonwealth Games, European Championships, Olympics, but if I'm probably being strictly honest and, and, and you guys will probably echo this the the bit that i reflect on the most is actually the people that were around me you know the mates that i made uh the fun times that we had both in loughborough but abroad and 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 just being at that top end of the sport was something that uh was really inspiring for me and it's probably the reason why i'm in coaching because i've always enjoyed being or trying to be good at something and uh, after I finished swimming in, in 2008, I, I was an accountant for a few years and I just hated that because I was average. Uh, and I was doing a bit of coaching on the side and really enjoying that and then went into a full-time coaching role when, in, in 2010. So that's kind of my journey to, to, to where I am now. But, you know, it's, uh, it's a great sport and it gets, it gets under your skin a little bit, as I'm sure you guys can, uh, can relate to. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I, I can definitely relate to the late development thing. I was one of those. I think you were too. Yeah. So yeah, kind similar. of had a period of time when we were on a, you know, plateau for a little while. I mean, to get through that plateau for you as an athlete at that age as well, there'll be a lot of people that are listening to this that are that, that kind of age group level and age now. Yeah. What kind of what went through your mind to keep you going? What did you use to try and help keep you going until you got that year at 17 when you had that breakthrough? Yeah, no, I say that's a great question. That's a million dollar question, isn't it? And we were just talking off air before, weren't we? And I think during that time when I was perceived to be plateauing and, you know, maybe my motivation for the sport was being questioned, I remember ringing my dad. And my dad was never involved in swimming that much, you know. He was a, a rally driver, a farmer, a rugby player, and, you know, swimming to him was kind of alien. It was kind of my mum that was... He was a good swimmer at school, to be fair, but, you know, the idea of him spending time on poolside 12 hours of a weekend was just, yeah, no-go. But I remember ringing him up, and I was like, hey, Dad, I've got a bit of an issue here. Uh, I'm like, 
he's like, what is it, Sammy? I'm like, you know, I'm just struggling with the sport a little bit. And he's like, ah, oh, I thought you really loved the sport. You know, you've, you've always done it off your own back and you've always wanted to do it. And he was like, what, what, what's changed that? And I'm like, I'm, I'm just not winning anymore. You know, I don't feel like I'm winning. You know, I don't feel like I'm as competitive as I used to be. And he's like, what difference does that make? And I was like, how do you mean? He was like, well, whether you win or lose doesn't really matter, does it? It's, it's, it's about your core motives. It's about why you do what you do. And, and kind of from that point on, I was kind of like, actually, why do I swim? And actually, this time now, you know, kids have been forced to be out of the water for 10 weeks. Probably going to be... 16, 18, 20 weeks they'll be out of the water. And it actually allows them to really recalibrate and think about why they do what they do and who they want to be and if it's the journey that they want to go down. I mean, you guys, as you say, late developers of the sport, but what you actually spent time doing was really understanding who you were as people and, and, and wanting to go on that journey and knowing that that's what you wanted to do. So during that period of plateau for me, I actually just came to the conclusion that swimming was a sport that I really enjoyed doing. And I really enjoyed being competitive at it. And I really enjoyed being good at it. And, you know, a few people, wise people around me said, you know, just keep plugging away. You know, persistence is probably one of the most underrated uh, characteristics within the, the development process. So if you just keep, keep plugging away, keep churning away, you've got the innate ability, You've got the work ethic. You now understand why you do it. You're going to come through. So, uh, yeah, that's kind of the way that it worked for me. And uh, I highly encourage kids at this point in time now that they've been given a forced period of rest from the sport or something to really think about the whys and, uh, and, 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 and who they want to be on the other side of this, this spill. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, you were just saying as well before we started on, on the camera that – we saw constantly chasing goals. You're constantly almost on a hamster wheel. And like you're always trying to get to that next level. As soon as you're doing one race, you're trying to get better for your next race. And like that's just an ongoing thing. And there's so many athletes that finish their the careers and say one thing they would do is sort of look back and take time and reflect or even celebrate a win and things like that. Because we, we never give ourselves time to run to the next one. Whereas now you can like force reflection time almost. You, like just exactly what you were saying there, really. You get time to reflect, time to think about. Yeah. What it's like, swimming, swimming's brutal. You know, it's brutal. Yeah. You know, it's, you're always on that hamster wheel for that one moment, you know. And, and that one moment might be five, six, seven, eight years away, or it might be one month away. Uh, you never know. And uh, this time, just be able to stop and reflect is, is so important. But, you know, swimming you spend 99% of the time training and 1% of the time racing. You know, football players, they spend 40% of the time competing, maybe 60% of the time training. You know, so swimming is a really tough sport and you've got to know your why more so than, 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 than other sports, I think, just because of the, the grueling nature of it. And, uh, you know, this time to be able to reflect is, is huge. And uh, I think the, the more people can do that, the the better place they'll be long-term for sure. But the other thing I would say, and it kind of correlates to this moment now and this situation that we're in, and I know loads of people will have been talking about this Michael Jordan documentary and The Last Dance and all that kind of stuff, but the one 
the one piece of advice that, that I kind of took from it all, especially with the technological age that we're in now, is just be present. You know, be in the moment and be present and enjoy that. You know, and it, it relates back to that hamster wheel analogy. You know, just take time to enjoy where you are and what you're doing and make the most of, of what's right in front of your face, you know, and, and, and be present. Yeah, yeah, very, very good, yeah. So um, with, you've said with your background, you, you came down to Millfield at 11 yourself, so you were a student at the school, and now you're, yeah. back, and you're there as director of swimming, um, doing some, is it like pastoral care as well, and, or you were doing at one point? Um, yeah. So what, what's brought you back then? What, did you love it yeah. to be back? Hey, super question, you know, and yeah, I did, did a pastoral role for, for five, six years uh, in, in, in the boarding houses here at Millfield. But as I briefly touched upon, you know, I was, I was an accountant. I was based up in Edinburgh. I was doing a little bit of swim coaching on the side, doing a, some of the age group stuff at the Warren de Bath Swimming Club and doing a little bit of one-to-ones with people in the city and stuff. And a, a job, job role came up at Millfield that was actually advertised on the Loughborough Swimming website at the time. And uh, I found myself just checking web- swimming websites at every point I could. And, you know, this role came up just at a point, and it comes back to being present, actually, just at a point where I was being really low in my self-esteem. And, you know, why am I in this office nine to five, plugging away on an Excel sheet? And it was just like a beacon of light. And, 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 and this job opportunity came up, and I was probably underqualified for it at the time. But I'm a bit of a loyalist at heart, and I absolutely loved the experience that Millfield gave me. And I thought, you know what? Hey, I've just settled in the city of Edinburgh, and everything's going well. But hey, let's just take a jump. So I applied for the role, and lucky enough, got it in 2010. And and as you say, you know, I've progressed up through the ranks from that point, and uh, and now the director of swimming. But I came back here because I'm passionate about the place, Amy. You know, I. I, I absolutely love what it did for me. You know, I was a dyslexic kid that was average at swimming and, you know, it gave me some, some great education and managed to, to really embed the dream of being an Olympian, you know. So the fact that I can now give that back to people that are in the environment currently is, is so powerful for me. And it, it drives me on a daily basis. And, uh, you know, it's, uh, it, it's a fantastic institution to be part of. So that's 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 why I'm back. <laughs> Great. I mean, we've we've been a couple of times, and it's got fantastic facilities as well. Like the pool for you guys is incredible, isn't it? And the ground, oh, you know, it's it, got everything you need. Yeah, it's not just the facilities, eh? You know, that's that's fantastic. You know, we've probably got one of the best facilities in the country. Uh, but it's the people. You know, it's the the other sports that are going on here. The other coaches that you can interact with on a daily basis. The the management here, you know, in terms of headmaster, director of sport, but most importantly, the students that come in front of you. You know, they come here because they want to get better. And uh, they come here because they're passionate about, about being better. And, and that's an inspiring environment to be in, you know. So, uh, you know, it does tick a lot of boxes. Nice one, man. Definitely working off for that commission you're on today. That's good. Good <laughs> <laughs> plug there, mate. No, it is fantastic about being in and around the campus. It is, uh, yeah, it's definitely an environment where people are there to do a job. Like, they're all there to do well. Nobody's half-efforting things. So what you've got that's probably different to most coaches 
is um, is the kids that are bored in that pastoral role. Like, like what's, uh, do you still do some of that role or have you finished doing that role now? Yeah, so I did that role from 2010 to 2016 and it's, it's a really all-encompassing role, you know, because you're, you're on site all the time. You're always around the, the kids. You're always helping out in the boarding houses and putting that alongside a, a full-time swim coaching role is, is pretty demanding. And it was great when I was, when I was, was a bit younger and, and, and didn't have as many responsibilities outside of the, the swimming environment. Uh, but I decided to move out in 2016 and, and, and move in with my, 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 my wife and, and, and start a family. And, and the time that I was spending in the boarding houses is, is now kind of spent spent with family. So it's just making sure that I've got the appropriate amount of balance. But you're 100% right, Joe. You know, uh, the Millfield environment is unique, unique from that, that side of things in terms of, if you think about it as a swim coach, you, a kid that swims with you four, times a day, uh, four hours a day and is in a boarding house and is in school, you're probably the person that they're in contact with the most on a daily basis. Uh, and, and that comes with some responsibility, you know, and uh, it's why it's such an empowering role because one, it's you see the development of swimmers, but more importantly, you see the development of people. And that's ultimately what we're in. We're in the job of developing people and uh, being able to make those interventions and uh, being able to guide people through those, those, some of those struggles in that age is, is again, really, really powerful. But, it does. It does. Uh, it does come with with some significant responsibility. And I say to the coaches when they come into this environment, and and they might have come from a club environment where their sole purpose is being a swim coach on deck, you know, and they've got a committee to do all the other kind of stuff. Actually, this job is is a little bit different. You know, it's uh, it's about nurturing and, and and developing people much more so than worrying about the physical nature of, of, of swim coaching in terms of what they're doing on a daily basis. You know, yes, that's important, but first and foremost, we're, we're, we're in the job of, of, of developing good people. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I, I feel like more and more these days, coaches are becoming more aware of the holistic approach around coaching. Um, oh. in, in particular, hey, I, mean, in, I know. You know, I'm a, what a great example of that. Eh? Exactly, exactly. And I just think that there's... In the past, I mean, like you mentioned the last dance, there has been a lot of things, say, say mental health issues that come up post-athlete post career and things like that. And I feel like that has maybe brought about that awareness of needing the holistic approach to be more at the forefront of coaches' minds and kind of yeah. in your programme that way. And the swimming, essentially the science, is a supplement to that in a way, especially at the group level. Well, where you yeah. like mentioned Ian Armiger, sorry, Dale, but I just think in the comparison there between him and yourself is quite valid because obviously he's dealing with most people that come in at 18 as their first mm -hmm. away from home. And that's the same for yourself. You're getting even younger kids that are coming to you at 11 and 12 years old. That's very, very young to move out of home. Uh, so, he, oh. he, I mean, he, he's, he's talked about himself, Ian, saying, you know, take some of the mirror for the figure all to some of these. Yeah. The kids are 11 and 12, like you said, you're spending most of the day with them. You must take on almost a parental role to some of them, even if you don't want to. Like, they must just look to you that way. 
Yeah, no, 100%. You know, I think I, I, I kind of relate it back to, to when I was in that environment. And, you know, I was obviously family homes in Scotland, Millfields based in Somerset, southwest England. You know, so I was looking up to, to people day in, day out. You know, whether that be older peers within the community or whether that be the, the coach that was coaching me at the time, you know, they, they, they're a huge guiding figure in your life. And, uh, you know, it's, it's making sure that you, you understand that you're behaving in the right fashion and that you're making, more importantly, you're making the appropriate interventions when needed. You know, because what a parent will do in a family situation, in a family home, if, if someone's struggling a little bit or going off the rails a little bit, the parents will make sure that, you know, that kid's aware of that situation. And, you know, almost as a coach, if you, you generally see that happening first, because you're spending the most time with them. So yeah. you see those changes in behavior first. And then you've, you've got to make sure that everyone in that pastoral loop of that kid is aware of what you're seeing, you know, so that you've got that nurturing care around that person. Uh, and that, that's something that, that actually took me a little bit of time to really develop. Probably took me the first five years to really develop that. But I'd probably say now I'm doing as much of that as, as kind of scientific coaching. And, uh, you know, I, I'd never go out there and say, say I'm a father figure uh, because I think that's, uh, that's quite powerful. But I, I do certainly believe that lots of the behaviours that I display, you start to see in kids as they grow up, you know. And uh, I remember my first cohort of kids that I coached all the way through the pathway you know, and, and, and so many of them were displaying so many of my behaviors. And I was just like, this is, this is our real responsibility here, you know, because you've got to make sure that, as I say, you're, you're developing that person more so than developing a, a great swimmer. You know, that, that great swimmer will generally happen if it's going to happen. You know, yes, you provide the pathway. Yes, you un yeah. You make sure that they understand their own brilliance and all that kind of stuff. But generally speaking, the ones that are going to make it and the ones that are going to be good are going to be good, you know, especially in an environment like ours where they've got the facility, they've got the coaching staff and all that type of stuff. So actually the, the, the primary role is, is people development. Yeah, definitely. I mean, you like you said, with Millfield being a school, um, you can take – swimmers on and pupils on at 11 uh, up to 18 is that right so 18 yeah I mean, we, we have we have three main entry points and uh we tend to only take people in at that point so we have year uh, well prep school year seven is an entry point generally and that's 11 years old uh year nine at the senior school which is 13 years old and then for sixth form which is 16 years old so they're the they're the three points of entry that we generally have. We do have a few people that come in, in in year 10 for the GCSE two years, but that's pretty much when, when we get people in. And, and I always say to parents when they come and have a look around, you know, it's fantastic coming in for sixth form, uh, but realistically, that's quite a short period of time to really make an impact. So in an ideal world, we'd kind of get them in at 11 or 13, but... Uh, it's generally dependent on, on family, logistics and, and finance, ultimately. Of course, yeah. I mean, like you say, it, you've, you've helped develop these swimmers and people 
potentially from 11 up to 18 and you've grown to really be close to them and know them and having a big effect and you've had a big effect on their swimming development as well so far what's it like to then at 18 have to signpost them to senior programs and kind of um, pass that swimmer on essentially yeah hey great question you know uh Again, probably an area that's really developed over the last four years. Uh, when I first came into coaching, I probably struggled with that aspect. Uh, but, well, when I first came into coaching full-time, you know, I was passing them on to the director of swimming. So I was working with them at junior age and then passing them on to the director of swimming for the last two years of school. And, uh, and, and that's kind of the way it operated. But I think for me now, I've kind of, I kind of come to understand that there's generally a life cycle within a coach to swimmer relationship. You know, and I, I think that's, that's generally about six years. You know, and I think once you go past that point, I think naturally, given the uh, holistic nature of the way that I deliver, there's been a little bit of, of complacency along the way. Uh, you know, you know, if, you, if you're developing someone and they're having a half time, hard time, you've given them a little bit of a break and you've said, you know, take some time out here and, and you get them all the way to 18 years old and they're, they're, they're still doing a good job. And then if you're, some, some kids we have to stay on for a year or whatnot, but I try to actually pass them on because I know it's the best thing for them because they'll go into an environment which is different, which they don't have as much control over necessarily or they don't have as much uh, of an emotional attachment to the coach and a two-way so that they can actually therefore get the best out of themselves uh, you know and I think within within any coach athlete relationship and you look at them across the world anything that goes on beyond six years I think it really needs to to be changed up and something significant needs to change in order to get that that performance bounce again is there, I always find this a little bit of a hard role for, for age group and development age group coaches that they've kind of, you need to get results out of your swimmers because that's how yeah, yeah. your coach are judged and how the swimmers are going to want to come to you and be part of your program. But I have seen that very often where kids get burnt out and they have some amazing results at 14 and by 17 they're not swimming because yeah. I love with the sport. So there's got to be a, some sort of balance between getting the most out of them and then not burning them out and like thinking about long-term development of the athlete like how how do you find that balance and keep the passion hey, in time hey, that's a great question that's a great question and uh it's something that, that, that i'm really quite passionate about and it comes down to two areas it comes down to understanding retention so i did a little piece of work and this will be interesting is that if you were a competitive 11 year old swimmer, so if you swam competitively in a race at 11 years old, mm -hmm. the chances of you swimming competitively at 19 is about 20%. Wow, that's really you know, that, that's If you look at the data that's on the rankings and all that type of stuff, you know, you look at the number of participants, you might have 3,000 11 year olds doing a 50 freestyle, and by the time that same cohort gets at 19, there's probably only about 600 of them, right. you know. So understanding that, that that's, we can discuss whether that's right or wrong or whatnot. And it, it's probably based around 
what you're talking about, Joe, there in terms of maybe that early push, you know, to get people into the sport, to get them competitive, to get them to that performance. I hate using the word performance, by the way, uh, because it's, it's, it's development. We're still in that development process. And, you know, I see clubs across the country that have performance squads at age 13. I'm just like, oh, my God. Anyway, by the <laughs> way, so it's, it's understanding retention. Yeah, and understanding that actually you need to plan for that transition because kids will stop the sport if they're not enjoying it. And that's a natural process because, yes, you can deload them at a younger age and, and, and build them through, uh, and, and, and that's generally what we do. But even with that, you know, people will stop the sport because other things are going on. And what you've got to do there is have a really effective transition strategy. You know, so transitioning them into triathlon, pentathlon. We've transitioned kids into GB cycling, into GB rowing. So using the skills that they've learned to transfer them and redirect them to find a new lease of life. Because ultimately, we want people to be fit and healthy. And if people want to be competitive, we want to transition them into an area where they would be even more competitive. You know, I, I think back to my own career. I probably should have transitioned out of swimming at 16 into triathlon, you know, if I'm being strictly honest with myself, you know, because, you know, I'm a good runner. I'm a good cyclist. I'm a decent swimmer, you know, so it makes, makes perfect sense. But it's being able to have that conversation with a kid, you know. So if you've got a, a guy that's making the British Summer Finals, British Summer Championships Finals, and is a fantastic runner, fantastic on a horse because he's grown up with freaking pony club in his backyard you know you should really be talking about pentathlon right. you know and, and and going down that route if if being competitive is what they want and you know they've got a ceiling on their swimming career so so having a real honest and open discussion around that transition is really important and 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 understanding the retention but fundamentally it comes down to you as a coach to sell the long term. So, you know, we'll always sell the long term. You know, we'll always sell that Millfield is a part of your journey. It's not the end point. Yes, some of you may not want to continue swimming at the age of 18, but we want to redirect you into somewhere that could maybe reignite that passion for swimming or into another sport. Uh, so we, we generally talk about Millfield being part of their journey and they can move to a university program in the UK or a university program in America or wherever it is and move forward again. And uh, I think that's per perfectly easily to do as long as you don't overexpose at a younger age. So the way I kind of phrase what we do is maximal impact with the minimal dosage, you know, because uh, you, you imagine an, an onboarding environment. It's pretty intense. You know, yeah. you're in a boarding house of 50 people you know, uh, you're in a competitive swimming environment. You've got sociological demands because there's 800 kids on the same site, you know, and there's a sociological pressure associated to that. And you've got huge demands of academia. Uh, academia. So, you know, from A-level years, they're probably the hardest years to swim fast because you've got so much going on. You know, you're getting to grips with your new body, whether that's you've just gone through maturation as a female or you're, you're going through maturation as a male or coming towards the end of it. 
you're trying to up your loading in swimming. Your sociological interface and, and you know your sociological environments increasing, and the pressures with that. You know your academic environments increasing, and the pressures with that. And actually, you just need to maintain kids at that time, and you just need to like progress them a little bit. So when they go to uni, they can move forward. They might have a slightly less strenuous academic profile. They might need to make some decisions with regard to what they're going to do sociologically. You know, we all know the first year of uni can be can be pretty intense in terms of what's going on socially, but it's just really prepping them for that journey. And, and one of the first things I did when I became director of swimming was hire an S&C coach so that we could really focus in on that part because I think when you go to a senior environment and all of a sudden you add that really intense S&C program, that can take a lot of time to get acclimatized to. So putting that in earlier and deloading the swimming a little bit for those kids that are really going to need that S&C stuff and, and, and integrating that at kind of 15, 16 so that it's not as problematic when they get to universities really helped our kids bounce on when they, when they, when they meet, leave Millfield. But fundamentally, coming back to your point, Joe, sorry I've rambled on, oh, is that uh, you've, got to, you've got to sell the bigger picture. Right. And you can only really do that when it's not about you, the coach. Right. You know, it's not about you, the coach. And as soon as you can get that through your head and it's about the swimmer and you sell the long term, that's when you really make your, your, your best impact. Yeah, that's really, really interesting stuff. And like, just as you were talking there, reflecting back on sort of my own career, and I think, yeah, that 16 to 18-year-old period, there's A-levels, whereas I, at best, stayed still, but most probably went backwards. And then it wasn't, yeah. got to, yeah, first year at uni, I progressed a little bit, but with everything going on, it was the second year that my time started to drop. So I literally fit exactly into that mould you just said. But there was no one that really sort of sold that to me, like you said, as a long-term programme. I expected to move to uni, see how it was, probably stop something straight away. But I just enjoyed mm -hmm. that new environment, gave me a new lease of life. But I think I was just lucky. I almost happened to come to Loughborough. I could have gone anywhere yeah. else and not had the same. It, it comes back to, you, you guys will know, but I, I, I do a little bit of statistics, you know, and if, if, if I was a coach coaching you as a 16-year-old, Joe, you'd look back at some of the stuff that you'd achieved and you'd actually done some pretty good stuff. Hmm. You know, you'd made nationals and whatnot, had you not? Yeah, I would have been at nationals and stuff, yeah, but, you know, I didn't really, they didn't break out. I wasn't standing out. Yeah, you know, so you've been in that competitive environment. You probably look at it in terms of what you were doing in comparison to what your your peers were doing at that age. You'd look at your 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 body length, your arm length, and all that kind of stuff. Your ability to kick, and as a coach, you could go. Actually, we can afford to be kind of chilling out a little bit from 16, 17, 18, because. We could push to European juniors, but we're probably not going to be able to do that because we've got all this workload going on and we've got all this happening. So we just actually need to, to chill out for a period and with the understanding that in two years' time, you're going to come through it really nicely. And if you can sell that to a kid, they'll actually stay in the sport and they won't be one of those statistics that, you know, you actually stop the sport at age... 19 because you never really had any direction and you didn't really understand what was going on yeah, yeah definitely i mean obviously you've come from being an athlete yourself as well 
every athlete is going to go through certain challenges, whether it is motivation, like you've mentioned, you know, you phoned your dad up, you know, at that, that age, um, whether it's injury, whether it's struggling with academics as well on the side. Do you see kind of any challenges that you went through that your athletes are now going through and kind of how do you use your experience to help them? Yeah, yeah, no, you, you, you see it all the time, you know, and uh, my biggest challenge was probably that 12 to 15 age that I talked about in terms of being a late developer. And, you know, I see that all the time. And, you know, I've got some fantastic stories I could tell you, tell you about that. But, you know, it's just about delivering the message to the kid that need, what they need to hear you know, and understanding what's going on in, in, in their life and, and, and being able to listen to that and uh, being able to, to give them the direction that's needed. But, you know, the, the biggest hurdles that I see are, are, are the late developers, you know, the early maturers that don't understand how they've got to where they've got to and, and, and don't really understand who they are or their core motives or why they do what they do. Uh, injury is it can be can be a big one uh, and again that comes down to, to putting a really good supportive structure around that individual and, and, and making sure that they can see a light at the end of the tunnel uh, but ultimately all of it just comes down to being being present and enjoying your day-to-day -day environment and I think if you can do that and you can create an environment in which kids enjoy being in then they're going to develop as people and they're going to get out the other side of whatever struggle they might have. And, uh, you know, there's some monumental struggles that kids go through at this age, you know, and the social media pressure that goes on and the, the, the social pressure that kids go through at teenagers and wanting to impress their peers all the time is, is, is just something that I never really felt as a, as a, as a young person. You know, I, I just kind of got on with my business and, and, and that was it. Uh, but, you know, some of the struggles that are going on is, is, uh, is pretty unique. And what, what you need to be as a coach is, is flexible, you know, understanding that actually giving kids two weeks out of the water in the middle of the cycle isn't a problem. You know, it's, it's not an issue. You know, it's, they need that. If you think they need that, they need that. And if you keep flogging a dead horse, hey, you may as well just get them to sign a paper to say that they don't love the sport anymore, you know, because that's, that's where you're taking them. Uh, you know, so you've got to try, you've got to try and be inventive. You've got to be flexible and you've got to really be in tune with your emotional intelligence of what, what kids are going through on a daily basis because it's a stressful world out there. It really is for them. And, you know, hey, some of them, some of them don't, don't bat an eyelid, but a lot of them do. Yeah. yeah, well, your approach must uh, must be working because you obviously you, you've been turning out good results there for a long time. Millfield's obviously had an established program even from when I was uh, an age group swimmer all the way up and to now. I mean, you coached, I've got to say, James Guy's probably your most successful athlete of recent years, all the way up to Olympic Games um, and like uh, Olympic medals, uh, even. So, like, you were out of Rio watching him compete, but not on as his coach so that's yeah. a strange situation did you just have to pay for your own ticket and all that stuff just to watch from the crowd how did that work yes yeah, so an interesting story so when i first started coaching full-time in 2010 there was a young james guy in my group 
and he was a 14-year-old, no, 13-year-old boy at the tenth. And uh, I coached him for three years through to 2013 directly in my group. And then he moved up into the director of swimming's group at the time, Joe Fink, who was on the Rio team as coaching staff with James. Uh, but what Joe did really, really well is he always kept me involved in James's journey. So, you know, James would, would swim with me a couple of times a week and, uh, you know, we'd, we'd have chats about how to develop, you know, what's it like being an international, all these types of things. So, and the relationship that me and James had and still have to this day has been, been really, really good. And uh, the agent that James has is, is uh, Red Sky, which is an Edinburgh-based company. And I was at the 2013 World Championships, and it was the first World Championships that James had made uh, as a 17-year-old boy. And uh, I went, I was sitting in the crowd. You know what happens to me. I was randomly sitting there and, you know, Kerry ann was sitting next to me, uh, Payne, and she was out there watching David, I think. And David was being represented by Red Sky, this agent company. And I ended up going out for dinner with this company, Red Sky, and the owner, Ron Shepherd, and all that kind of stuff. And one thing led to another. And I said, basically said to him at the end of the night, I was like, look, there's a young guy on the team, swims at Millfield, he's going to be the next best thing. Uh, in British swimming, I think. You know, I think he's got the ability to be a world champion. And they had Robbie Rennick on the books at the time. And I was like, he's, in my opinion, way better than Robbie Rennick. And I know Robbie Rennick pretty well. And uh, anyway, they signed him later that year. So fast forward to Rio. And Red Sky are going out to Reno, Rio because uh, they've got loads of athletes that are, are competing there. And they actually paid for my accommodation. Uh, to, to stay in Rio, which was a, a really nice gesture from them. And uh, I just had to pay for my flights. And uh, yeah, probably one of the best coach, well, worst and best coaching moment, I guess, was being in the stands in Rio. On day one, James finished agonizingly close to a medal in the 400 freestyle, uh, was winning at the 300 meter mark, I think. And you know, heartbreak and, you know, knowing James, quite a sensitive kid and, and you know, he took that, that pretty hard given the fact that he was a world med silver medalist from the year before. And then the next day, the turn of three heats and semi, good heat swim, semi-final, very dodgy, makes it into the final in last place by one one hundredth. Then the following day at the final of the turn of freestyle in lane one and finishes fourth by one tenth of a second. So that's two knocks, two knocks in three days. And I'm sitting there and I'm going, oh my God, I don't know if this kid's ever going to bounce back. Yeah. But honestly, when he stood up on day four in the final of the four by two and anchored the team in one of the fastest relay splits of all time, and he literally used nothing but grit and courage for that swim. Uh, and you could see it with every stroke and you could see it with the intensity that he put into that race. It was probably one of the moments I'll never forget. You know, and he, he, he touched the wall and the British team got a silver medal. And from that point, they went on to do lots of great things in terms of the four bikes do for the years going on. But, you know, seeing a kid that you've known from the age of 13 use nothing but pure guts, pure grit and, and pure courage to to bring home a silver medal for the country was, uh, was pretty special. So, yeah, that was, that was a pretty special moment. But 
Hopping back to your original point, you know, Millfield's got a huge legacy in the sport of swimming, you know, and uh, it's turned out great swimmers for a long time. And, you know, part of the thing that gets me up in the mornings is trying to enhance and continue that legacy, you know, because it gave me such a, such a great platform in life. And I just want to try and do that for as many people as possible. Yeah, definitely. I mean, we don't, sorry, did you, no, I was going to say, just talking about uh, James Guy there, he had, a, you know, a couple of disappointments at, at the Olympics, followed by a massive high where he really turned himself around. Obviously, you were there, um, not on the staff, but you were there. Did you give him any words of wisdom between those races that you think may have kind of just helped him turn that around? I mean, I know, obviously, he's a great guy. I really like James. And, you know, being in a, a relay does give you that bit of lift. You know, I was a relay swimmer as well myself. And it does give you that extra little bit because you want to do it for your teammates as well. But was yeah. there any little um, gems that you gave him between those races that would have helped him? Yeah, my, my, my big thing with, with James was just always keeping him relaxed. And uh, the one thing that I did say to him, was uh, I, w I was up in the stands and I was with his parents. His parents were always there, and you know he came up and sat with his dad for a bit after the turn freestyle, and there was, you know, there was tears in his eyes and all that kind of stuff. And you know, I was I was up there and I spoke to him, and I just like I just said to him, "Tomorrow is a new day, you know, and it's a new dawn, and you never know what it can bring, you know." And I've seen you time and time again come back when no one thought you could come back, and. Uh, you know, there was no doubt in my mind that he was going to stand up for the team and deliver the best performance possible. But I think for him, all he needed to hear was that, you know, people still love them, you know, and, uh, and that, you know, just go in and give it everything. I think in that moment, you can't remember, you know, that, that he was pretty young at that point. You know, I think he was 20 years old. And uh, when you've been the world champion in 2015, you know, I guess there's a lot of, pressure and expectation that sits on a young kid's shoulders at that point. Mm. And to, to not deliver on that, I imagine the, the one thing that's going through your mind is that, that fear of rejection, you know, and that fear of, you know, what are people going to think of me? You know, uh, I was a world champion. I didn't deliver an individual medal. And I think all that anyone needs to hear at that point is that in the grand scheme of things, your family, your friends, your peers, they're all going to love you the next day and the sun's going to come up the next day. So it's just about showing who you really are and uh, being the best version of yourself over the next 24 hours. And there's no point in harping on taper this or physical stuff that because it doesn't matter tosh at that point. You know, uh, you, know you, you can do all that post the event and, and break it down and analyze all that type of stuff. But to show character in the arena and to stand up on the blocks when your back's against the wall and do a performance, I think gives you the credibility to be able to handle a lot of things that life's going to throw you. And, you know, I just, <laughs> you know, I, I just, I just kind of simplified that message, you know? Uh, so, so yeah, I don't really know. If I'm, if I'm being strictly honest, John Amy, I can't remember what I said, but it was, it was something along those lines. You got the sentiment. No, I mean, you can just tell, like, the way you were talking through James's whole Olympic week there, like, the, basically the pride in your voice was just shining through. I mean, they must be the, 
the moments that a coach is basically like living for to take their athlete as far as they can go, like to the to the reach the epitome of their talent and of the, what they're capable of, whether that is an Olympic medal or whether that's a national final or counties, wherever that is, to like get that kid to like their their furthest point. That's got to be like yeah. the best feeling, especially when the back's against the wall there. Kind of like when Yeah, yeah. I mean the furthest point is is an interesting comment because that's that's different for everyone, as you know. Exactly. But yeah. For me the, the moments that get me in coaching are the moments that take take time. And you know, there's there's kids in the program that you know, I have moments in coaching. There's probably about five to five to eight of them that really get you, that really get you in the heart. <laughs> and uh, you know, it's it's when the kids overcome that adversity, and when they've gone right to the far edge of going. Actually, I'm not sure I want to do this anymore. And they come back, and they get this invigorated love for the sport again. There was one I had at the short course championships in December there, you know, she'd spent a lot of time in the wilderness and she did her first event at the winter short course and she turned up at the screen and looked at the result of her performance and you saw this smile in her face that I hadn't seen for about four years, wow. you know, and, you know, it just, it makes it all worthwhile and uh, it's, it's those moments that make all the, all the tough times are uh, worthwhile. But, you know, I'm, I'm so lucky to be in this environment and to have some great staff and great swimmers around me. And, and as you said earlier on, people that, that want to try and get the best out of themselves. And it just comes down to being able to try and facilitate that as best as possible. Yeah. To me, it's sort of like what you said at the start, like swimming's 99% training, 1% racing. And then you think of those percentages that you're actually racing – like how many of them are those amazing moments? That's I, think, I feel like that's what makes it for the swimmer and for the coach. Those moments that are good, they're so sought after that they make them feel so so much more special. Um, yeah, yeah, hundred percent. You know, talk today, it's, Dale. Uh, it's gold moments, gold moments, and you got to bottle it up. You know, uh, yeah. and I certainly know I did this, and you guys have probably done that. You know, some of those moments that you just never thought would happen in your wildest dreams and they happened and yeah. you know what did you learn from that and, and 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 what confidence did you get from that and you know can you bottle that up and 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 really go to that if you need to and i, I know i certainly do you know if i'm going into a big meeting or i'm i'm doing a, a 5k run against all the all the staff at the pool <laughs> and they're far better than me you know i go to those i go to those moments to be like you you can do this, you know, you can push through this, you know, you've, you've been here before and, you know, it's, it's those moments, those moments that, you know, are so sought after that you learn so much from. And I do think that that's, that's an area that people can do a lot better. You know, I think a lot of people learn from their perceived failures, but really bottling up what you learn from your successes is as much of a powerful tool. So what have you told your athletes now? I know we touched on this a little bit so earlier, but your athletes now, they're away from the pool for almost an indefinite amount of time and we don't know what it's going to be like and all that stuff. So how have you told your athletes to sort of like think and to maintain themselves and, you know, come off that hamster wheel? What are they, what are they actually thinking about? Yeah, no, we've done, we've done lots, of, lots of stuff. We've kept the, the physical stuff going. You know, we've got some... 
cardiovascular exercises for them to do, whether it be running, rowing on the bike or whatnot. We do some live uh, gym stuff that our, our, our S&C coach runs. But that's all just maintenance stuff. Uh, and then we, run, we run, run weekly educational sessions. And that's just basically around finding out their whys, educating them on the sport of swimming, making them students of the sport, uh, allowing them to understand all the different pathways that, that they can go through and, and, and how they can achieve that. But the fundamental message, Joe, is, is quite simple. You know, Generally, the cohort of students that we have are, are pretty young in the development process. You know, they're, they're 13 to 18. Yeah. And ultimately, we want swimmers to swim all the way up until they're, they're at their peak physical condition in the mid-20s and whatnot. So really, this time is, is, is time you're not going to get back and probably time that's never going to happen again where you can actually take your mind off the sport for a bit and just enjoy in finding out who you are you know, and, and, and who you are without swimming. Because a lot, of, a lot of people use swimming as their identity, especially in that age range that I'm talking about, kind of 13 to 17. And actually, let's spend a bit of time building who you are outside of the four walls of a swimming pool. Because ultimately, that's who you're going to be when you stop swimming. You know, I think we can all relate to this now all the successes that we had in the pool, you know, generally don't mean that much anymore. But the people that we met, the people that we've become are, uh, are probably more important. Yeah. Definitely. I totally agree. Yeah, totally agree. <laughs> yeah, really good, Adele. I feel like you summed that, summed that up really, really nicely. And um, I'm conscious that I take up too much more of your time since you've got a two-week-old two young Hamish there to look after and stuff. But... So that's that amazing to hear you talk on that today, mate. Some really good stuff, I think, for people to take away. And yeah, I knew you'd have an interesting perspective on uh, on the time because I know how you think about stuff and how much you invest in your coaching. So thanks very much, Dale. Oh no, I really appreciate it. And hey, uh, as you know, I always try to think a little bit differently. I think that's my dyslexic brain, to be honest. <laughs> hey. I really appreciate you guys having me on today and uh, I really enjoyed following some of your ones you've done previously and, and, and what you're doing with your company there. So uh, do reach out if, if Millfield can help in any way and uh, keep up the great work. Yeah, appreciate Brilliant. that. Well, thank you very much. Thank man. you. And yeah, hopefully we'll see you soon. All right. Take it easy, folks. Bye. Bye. Take care. Bye. Bye. Bye.